Relax yourself, ladies and gents. Please settle down. Welcome to the Football Ramble. An absolute cracker at Goodison Park and Leicester left it late. It's Thursday, 11th of February. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Venetian Hunter-Raja. Welcome, one and all, to the Football Ramble. It's the thrilling Thursday you've all been dreaming about. Myself, Andy Brassel, and my cousin Vichy are here for your listening pleasure. How you doing, chaps? Very well. Good. Very well. Very well indeed. Very well indeed, gentlemen, for seeing such a blisteringly good FA Cup game. Some of the games recently have been a little bit underwhelming, but not old Tottenham Hotspur going away to Everton. Absolute ruddy scenes, Andy Brassel, at the old stadium. Yeah, and it had to be something, especially on the day before a record of On the Continent, to make (laughs) me turn over from... Uh, Reno Gattuso's sad face <laughs> in, in Bergamo. Um, I'm glad I did. Not just because I didn't want to see his sad face yeah. anymore, um, but because this was really worth it. But it, it wasn't just a, a, a great game. It was a deeply, deeply confusing game. Mm-hmm. I think right from that bit, um, just before half time, where Everton took control of it. Because that first half, that is the best I've seen Spurs play in months. That They were terrific in that first half. And... You know, you, even with that Eric Lamella goal just before half time, you wonder how on earth are we losing that if you're in the Spurs camp? Because they just had this crazy five minutes in a game that they're completely in control of. All of a sudden, they've got to climb a mountain to to, to get back into it. Are you reading from Jose Mourinho's script here, Andy? <laughs> very much toe in the party Did line. You not think isn't that, it? though. It looks like they were, you know, without Harry Kane, they were so. I mm. like they had so much energy and they were making some great ones. So Bergwijn yeah. had a had a great game as well. Probably his best in a while. Um, but yeah, the um, Tony Evans in the Independent wrote about this and and uh, gave it the name the inferior inferiority complex derby. And <laughs> well, I, I fully expect that from Big Tones. <laughs> but he um, <laughs> notable Liverpool fan. <laughs> but he uh, but like when you watched that game yesterday, it did feel like neither of them were particularly sure of themselves. The, the idea that Spurs could be in such control and then ship three goals in what seven minutes is absurd, really. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of I'm Highest... with Brassel on this one. I, I was I was quite impressed oh, yeah. with um, with Spurs specifically in that first half. Yeah, with highest scoring FA Cup game between two top flight sides in 50 years. Andy, no wonder you turned away from Napoli, from from one current coach of Napoli to a former coach <laughs> of Napoli. By the way, Andy, speaking of um. European football. What a week for you! You've had you've had two wins in the last what five days? I think for your beloved Sevilla, two wins for your beloved Leon, and and they will even chuck in a win for AFC Wimbledon. I mean, you're absolutely loving it. I know that's that's the biggie away at, away at Wigan, wasn't it? <laughs> Wigan, of course, one of the few teams, Andy, that have actually surprised everybody and won the FA Cup. Did people talk about the magic of the Cup? Don't get me wrong; we all believe in the magic of the FA Cup. However, it only sort of pokes its little head out really uh, all the way through to the to the final when 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 you see the the winners over the years of course but could Carlo Ancelotti's Everton and his cup of soup go all the way to the final fish I would like to think so um and I'm glad you said cup of soup there because I thought people said that was coffee <laughs> even the Everton account tweeted that it was coffee and maybe they'd know but I thought that was a bit soupy the way he was blowing that 
Because I think, you know, when you blow yeah. soup, you know it's got a thicker consistency than coffee, so you can go a bit harder, can't you? But... <laughs> you think, because I think what I took from that is that it had come out of a kettle rather than a mm. coffee machine, which probably would make an Italian very anxious <laughs> at the best of times. Mm. But you've got to deal with a, a slightly too hot drink right, right. as well. Um, I, I mean, I think probably the reality of it is he's ended up drinking Bovril, but I don't want to think about, I don't want to live in a world in which Carlo Ancelotti is drinking Bovril, quite frankly. Yeah. Whatever he's doing though, he's a man who's going to keep his cool though. Old, uh, old, old Carlo, although last night was all about keeping warm, but five, um, four though. I mean, what, what was pleasing about that was that you had five goals in the first half. Normally the goals dry up in the second half. You get maybe one, two if you're very, very lucky. Oh, Vish, they kept on going. They kept on going all the way into extra time. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I feel like, you know, after Manchester United and West Ham did what they did on Tuesday, and the less said about yeah. that, the better. Everton. We didn't want that to go no, all the way into extra time. Everton Spurs <laughs> felt it their duty to, um, to raise the spirits of the nation once more, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I've realised I, com- I just completely avoided your, your original question about Everton going all the way. You know, we uh, we spoke a bit off off mic, didn't we, about um, Luke's chat about Burnley yesterday and about like treading water and being a club that doesn't really want to go mm-hmm. achieve things. And Everton are in a weird spot like that because they kind of flitter between pushing for you know establishing themselves in the in the top six. They settle for top eight, and every now and again they get a bit lower and they. Confused and they've themselves. tried. They've they rolled have, the yeah, dice. Um, and, and I imagine that's kind of what they have to gun for, really. I mean, they're in a great opportunity to do so. Although we say that, you know, you mentioned the magic of the cup. And we this is a stage where all the magic dies and just the big Premier League teams go through. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I, it, I mean, yeah, I think with, with Everton and, and the FA Cup, it was nice to see your friend and mine, Andy, Duncan Ferguson, uh, very, very happy at full time. And I mean, he was very honest when they said, what a game. And he went, yeah, it was great because we won it. You don't want to be on the losing end of, of one of those ones. But he said, you know, about uh, Everton and, the, and uh, not having won uh, the cup for or, or a trophy, <clears throat> excuse me, for it would it be 25, 26 years. Obviously, they've been in the final since then, but but they haven't won it, of course. And he said about the league and the cup and he went, oh, the FA Cup's the one we want. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that is, seems more realistic than the league, although I'm not going to disagree with Duncan Ferguson. But it is true, Andy, that, that for Carlo Ancelotti t- to be able to, if he can deliver a trophy at Everton in the form of the FA Cup, that would be uh, what a great success there. Yeah, it would be a stepping stone to something else though yeah i think because that that is that is what modern football is but they haven't gone on that unfortunately as vish was sort of saying that they haven't made that step for a while and they've tried they've had big signings they've had big managerial appointments but that's that's the problem that's what carlo ancelotti is picking up the slack of he's picking up the slack of uh, a series of teams under coaches who have reinforced at great cost but uh, not great effect so I think his big success so far is receiving a quite unbalanced squad and moulding it into something that's that's got an identity. And I think you could see that last night. I mean, if you said on paper going into that game, say if you pinpointed this at the start of the season and say Everton end up winning a game against Tottenham in which they score five goals, despite the fact two-thirds of their fancy new midfield are injured and, and can't make it. And, you know, the, the two main elements with no harm to Ducouré and, and James and Alan. Um, 
you'd say that's that's really really impressive and i think what he did uh, in the um in in the back half of of last season in getting a lot out of a squad that people didn't really believe in mm. i think was very very impressive indeed i i think he's doing an absolutely terrific job and i know everything comes with caveats at the moment mm. and you can't draw conclusions because um the premier league in particular is, is is so up and down but i think it's a real testament to ancelotti and someone like him who's won so much who has nothing to prove is someone who's still open to change he's got the hunger to try and the desire andy well yeah i mean Coaches always say that, though, don't they? But they're always, and Mourinho's a great example, they say, well, this, this has worked for me in the past, so I'm going to go back to doing it exactly the same way. Whereas I think Ancelotti in his last couple of jobs has said, actually, I've made some mistakes. Maybe I should evolve. Maybe I should embrace some new ideas. That is so unusual mm. for a coach of his age at his stage in his mm. career. It is. Um, and But, I mean, but we do enjoy the greatest hits, though, Andy. Let, let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> and, and he is a cup manager. He bloody well loves a cup. Ancelotti said that there are multiple similarities between him and Jose Mourinho. He said, I think we are really close with our idea of football. How I see his team play can be comparable to us. I don't know if it is a new style of football. It, it isn't. But for me, uh, to be compared to his style of football is an honour. There was a bit of a loving between him and uh, Mourinho after the final whistle fish. There was a nice hug. And even Mourinho said about Ancelotti, he went, no, he's a great guy. Yeah, Mourinho says this about a lot of people, doesn't he? I know we, we ham up the occasions when he really goes after someone, but he does <laughs> seem to have a lot of love for a, a few managers. Even, you know, he even warmed to Wenger by the end of it. Once Wenger was out of the picture, thanks to his what? own... Yeah. I was about to say, when he got <laughs> yeah. the better of him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Ancelotti, I, I just... I've always seen him as as quite a lovable guy, and maybe part of that is the fact that he's always so cheery. But you look at the you know the stuff he's done mm. with the community as well. At quite a difficult time. He seems to really, really embrace it and really engage it. Because I was going to ask you guys, like, you know, you two will know a lot more about this than I will. But it seemed like he was you know loved at Napoli, which is a place where it can go one or two ways. I remember like Lavezzi talking about what it was like being in Napoli. And he was like, oh, it was great. It's the most beautiful part of the world. Great place to play football. Never been outside, though. Never been outside my flat or the stadium because you never know <laughs> how, how things are going to go over the performance or whatever. So, But yeah, it seems to... Oh, he was he was smuggled in the boots of cars when he wanted yeah, to go shopping and yeah. all this kind of stuff because it was such a fanfare there. But you know what lured out Ancelotti in Napoli it was the food great man <laughs> it, was, it was that simple even if he wanted to even if he wanted to keep himself to himself he was never staying indoors with all that food outside it, well the food in, in, in Naples is enough to raise an eyebrow for anybody Andy <laughs> I think yes. we could agree um, is, 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 while we're on the subject of, of, of Everton sad news that former Everton and Wales goalkeeper Di Davis died uh, age 72 um, yesterday uh, 82 caps or, not caps sorry appearances for, for Everton rather um, uh, so yeah, uh, he was at one point he was Wales's most capped uh, goalkeeper. So, so sad news there. Um, speaking of uh, former uh, Evertonians, um, there's been a, an interview with Daniel Amakachi that has caught the attention of us at Ramble HQ here, and it's been 26 years since they won the FA Cup. And of course, in the semi-final, they beat a very fancy Tottenham Hotspur, which included Jurgen Klinsmann among others. They beat them 4-1 in the semi-final. And at the semi-final, saw Daniel Amakachi, and I didn't realise this. I knew he came on and changed the game and scored two goals. I didn't realise he subbed himself on in that game. Um, 
I remember this quite vividly, them, them, them uh, beating Tottenham Hotspur, as I say. But in an interview recently, he said that um, Paul Rideout, who would score the winning goal in the final, went down injured. And Joe Royal wanted to know if he should sell on a, place, a replacement. And apparently, Avakachi told Jimmy Gabriel that... Uh, Royal said, "Oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna put me on. Here's, here's the piece of paper." So Jimmy Gabriel, who's the guy who was sorting out the subs for Everton, goes up to the fourth official who puts the board up, and Daniel McCutchy runs on the pitch, and Joe Royal's going, "Hang on, what's going?" On? And he's already run on. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. You know he would have planned that as well. You know he would have seen right. This is how it works. He goes to him. He goes to Jimmy. Says his piece. Then he moves away, and Jimmy tells the fourth official. Yeah. So that's what I need to pounce. <laughs> it's amazing and bloody hell Andy just as well that he came on and scored two goals although Amakachi though he did fancy himself quite literally because in that article he said I was in the best shape of my life a damn sexy footballer and I knew I was ready bloody right Daniel <laughs> bloody right you were <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny because I, I imagine like the thing that Joe Royal said afterwards where he said uh, well played but if you try that shit again you'll be finished <laughs> the person who sorts out the subs with the fourth official now is Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're not trying that no, on him, no, are no, you? No, certainly not. Certainly not. I absolutely, I, I had no idea. This is absolutely sensational. And it was quite nice as well because Amakachi said that he grew up in very um, humble surroundings in Nigeria. And he said that whenever the FA Cup was on, obviously specifically the final, you would just, you would find a television anywhere in the neighbourhood and everyone would gather around and watch it. And when you hear that, and then of course he goes on and plays in the final and came on as a substitute, as did um, Duncan Ferguson. Uh, oh, those two would be a handful to defend against bloody hellfire. Um, he comes on, he wins it, of course. It's, it's it's quite wonderful. He did speak about his friendship with Duncan Ferguson. And he said, Duncan was crazy. Well, uh, that's no sort of new revelation. On the bus before games, he would play the film Braveheart <laughs> and no one was allowed to turn it off. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 Oh dear! They'll never take our three points. Um, he also said, "This is quite magnificent." I was getting married in Tunisia, and as I was making my way to the altar, a guy pushed a piece of paper into my hand. I opened it up, and it said, "Big Dunk is in the house." He'd come all that way to surprise me. It was fantastic. He made my day. That is kind of like wonderful and terrifying in equal measure. Does that happen wherever Duncan Ferguson goes? Is it like someone, someone I mean. hands him a piece of paper that says Big Dunker's in the house? Yeah. You know, in the way that in films, whenever you know the president's involved, they always say the eagle has landed. And so like every president yeah. every president has like their own nickname. <laughs> so I think like I think Biden's is the the Celtic and um oh, Trump's yeah. was the Mogul, yeah. But yeah, that is that is brilliant. <laughs> What I like about that though is, it, do you think that's the same message? You remember there was that spate that uh, of burglaries that he had, and he would pin the burglars <laughs> down and wait until the police turned up. Like, it's, obviously, like it's quite horrifying that he was, you know, getting burgled and all that. But yet he seemed to be the kind of uh, the solution to his own burglary problem. Do you think that's what the, the, the are, burglars are, are creeping around and suddenly a bit, he puts the piece of paper in the burglar's hand? <laughs> Big dunk to the house. Oh, no. Oh, I also reckon with that, I reckon with that he, he left his front that. door open. <laughs> front door and back door, window yeah, slightly ajar, lights off. Yeah, yeah, come on in. Either that or his wife might have like woken him up and pressed a piece of paper into his hand saying, Big dunk, comma, there is someone in the house. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Vish, regarding former Evertonians, I believe you've got an announcement. I do. I do. Um, 
Over on Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy, you can hear an exclusive interview with former Everton centre-back Jolian Lescott. He gives a masterclass in the art of defending, discusses who he thinks the best defender the Premier League has ever seen is and why the analysis of defending needs refining. Uh, So you can listen to that now. Just search Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy in any of your podcast apps. Uh, Leicester City are through, Andy, as well. They beat Brighton 1-0. They did the good thing, Leicester City. They didn't give us extra time on this. Uh, Kelechi Inacho uh, said after his 94th minute winner, I couldn't be bothered with extra time. It's freezing. And and obviously our very own <laughs> Jules Breach, um, she, was, she was there and she was freezing as well and she was unhappy that Brighton have gone out. But I think she was rather relieved as well to not have another half an hour of, uh, of the freezing cold temperatures in Leicestershire. Yeah, and it was pretty rotten football as as, as well. Um, I, I mean, I think going into this week, I, I love the idea of uh, FA Cup games being squeezed into midweek and on, on, on a normal sort of um, season plan. But because of where they are, because of the intensity of the calendar, I think this game is exactly what we feared all the FA Cup <laughs> games would be like coming into this week. Mm-hmm. And um, fortunately, they weren't with Everton versus Southampton. Now, I I know this probably isn't the time to talk about a a stacked calendar, but I've thought for a long time, certainly pre-pandemic, that the best way of relivening up the FA Cup is they have this kind of crazy January in Spain where every midweek they play a round of the Cup. And I think that adds a certain intensity to it and that would be really good. But just, you know, there there is no time to have, uh, no good time to have extra matches which is what FA Cup games are at the at the moment and as as you were saying earlier Marcus it's only really after the quarter final that you know people really start to focus on it well we're nearly there of course fish some teams are through at the quarter finals when asked who we'd like in the next round Kelechi said hopefully an easy team so we could go all the way and win it but <laughs> honesty there that's what God, we like to see doesn't like the cold wants an easy ride like, I would have pushed I, him I on that with him. I would I would have said Name that easy team. Who, then yeah. he would have been disrespectful, <laughs> wouldn't he? That, I mean, that's, that is the, that's the headline. That's what you want. Because I, I mean, off the top of my head, I assume you know Bournemouth would obviously be a championship side there through, so he'd maybe fancy that. Although with Henry James Redknapp and Jonathan Woodgate there, maybe you wouldn't want to, to, to play them. You could get a footballer in a spin, couldn't you? So, oh, I just want an easy team so you can get it right. So, so who would you pick? Well, that's the thing. At this stage, you have to cut. There are no easy teams, are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go around, around, around. Well, what were you expecting? Well, to probably game of two halves and then and then one team will win it. Unless yeah. it goes to extra we're time, We're just happy to get the three. Oh, God, no. Yeah. None of that. Uh-huh, yeah. What, um, what were our opinions on uh-huh. the state of that Brighton defending for the win? <laughs> I have never sw- seen... like So the, I counted there were eight men in the box, mm-hmm. but eight Brighton players, and they were totally fixed to where they needed to be. So even though the corner was taken early, they mm. weren't necessarily caught off guard. It was almost <laughs> like that... Um, you know that uh, we know now that that slightly misleading photograph of Maradona against yes, Belgium? Yes, yeah. I think that's mm. actually... If you'd have snapped that in the right way, that would have been more of an accurate portrayal. That would have been, no, that's what happened. I reckon, yeah, I reckon you could take a photo from the opposite side to where the corner mm. was taken into the box. And because of the players in the way and how they were positioned, you wouldn't see Ian Astro in the photo. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just the caption of Leicester City scored from this corner, despite seemingly having no one in the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the Brighton defenders, you couldn't see Kalechi uh, uh, <laughs> and Astro <laughs> from this. I think they were very much hoping to, to, to go home. I th- think it's definitely something in players' minds when you get into the last couple of minutes of a cup game at the moment, especially a midweek cup game. 
I think the players are definitely thinking, like, I can't stomach extra time. Yeah. Shit or, shit or bust, let's go for it. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's totally reasonable in the circumstances. Did you say shit or bust? Yeah. Okay. That is a phrase, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I've certainly heard it before. Maybe I just heard it from Andy. <laughs> Oh, right. I was, yeah, I was about to say. Or it's a very strange game show, which I'm unaware of. Um, what was, was Darren Can on it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mr. Can running the line, fresh from uh, winning the jackpot on yesterday's episode of Pointless. Didn't he win the World Cup before as well? Uh, I mean, that's certainly no, that what was, the commentators on ITV said. That was Bobby Moore, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think your mind's playing tricks on you. <laughs> well, his surname is Can. He, he's a can-do man, Andy. It's that can-do attitude that will win you the jackpot and make correct calls on on the lines, Vish. But yeah, that was quite. I think some people were, you know, unaware that pointless is pre-recorded. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, same day. Except, I'm sure some except, people said that sarcastically as well. Except when it's done in a porter cabin yeah. uh, in the car park in the King Power. That's true. That's very true. Is Pointless any good? I've never watched it. No, it's not bad. Same. It's not bad. It's okay. Got it's a big, notable a Fulham, notable Fulham fan on there. Uh, oh, the tall guy who did that. Um, he's on Twitter, isn't he? He did the biscuit Olympics or some shit like that. <laughs> You know, he's, he's like, what's Twitter. your favourite biscuit? And yeah, that's it. What's his name? Richard Osman, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, he is on, on Twitter as well, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the big guy on Twitter. <laughs> My goodness, what a description. <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was uh, some FA Cup stuff. We'll have more FA Cup chat after this break. I'm talking about the sort of luxuriant quality. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. It's now time for emails. Just email show at footballramble.com Right now, so Peter, Mr. Kater, Dulesar, Jim, or Andy Luke All my kids can read it out Well done Right, I believe Vish has the first email to read. Over to you, Vitushin. I do. We've got one from the Wicker Man himself, Callum Wicker from Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Confusion around the origins of McSauce really w- made me question myself. Without reading anything to confirm this, I honestly thought Scott McTominay <coughs> was called McSauce because Tominay sounds like Tommy K. Tommy K being <laughs> slang for ah. tomato ketchup. Tommy Tommy K, Sauce, even if it isn't, that's what I'm choosing to believe. Anyway, keep up the good work. Happy Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese New Year (laughs) to you too, Callum. Um, Hung Fa Choi, if I could pronounce that correctly. Uh, I like that. That's what I'm choosing to believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got a few messages on Twitter about that yesterday, and and I think that's a lot more plausible than mine, but I'd only really seen it used ironically, and that's not to say that that came... That came first, but yeah, I, I saw it as a. It was always a stick to beat the the wee scort with. Aye, the wee saucy bastard. Um, I have. Uh, I've got to, I, to now on Tuesday's pod. I spoke about a time when uh, a footballer who I couldn't remember. I suggested it was Roger Johnson. It wasn't. Um, but had a, had a drink during a pre-season match in the United States, and at. Uh, PDXOR on Twitter uh, tweeted me just saying Stephen Thompson for Burnley against Portland Timbers 
And I was like, ah, that, that's right. And I said, well, remembered. And he said, well, it was easy to remember. It was the first thing I ever got in touch with the Ramble about that got a mensch on the show, which is quite fantastic. Now, the story is from 2009. It's obviously a little while ago now. I'm not sure when we covered it on the Ramble. I, I think it might have been a year or two later. Either or, the story is, is a lovely one. And Stephen Thompson uh, himself uh, said of that match, he said, I kind of fell over the billboards at the side of the pitch and there was a cafe right on the side. I landed on this person's table and I don't know what happened. I just instinctively grabbed the guy's pint and had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Ever so the professional. I just don't know what happened there, Vish, you know? It sounds like an excuse, a really bad excuse that someone has when they go into A&E with something stuck up their ass, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, I fell over and picked it and then just, ne- just necked it. I don't know what happened, yeah. <laughs> and this children's toy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, you know, a copper walking into a pub to like arrest the landlord for something. Well, there was a pint on the table and I just suddenly got involved. Yeah. You know? It's like, no, that's a... <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Thompson went on to say, it shows you how bad a game it was because that got the biggest cheer of the night. It was a bit of light-hearted You were playing banter. in that game as well. Why are you doing to yourself, man? It's a pre-season friendly. What a load of shit. I lined it up by having a drink for crying out loud. My goodness, let's never do this again. He said it was a bit of light-hearted banter. The guy was really decent about it. The one he's, he whose was, pint he stole was really decent. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. He was laughing, apparently. He's laughing. Um <laughs> I was fined a week's wages, though, for being the first player the manager had ever seen drinking during a match. You know, you see. That doesn't strike me as very remorseful from old Stevie Thompson there, does it? Well, I mean, he got his fight. He took the punishment, Andy. Why not bask in the glory of downing someone else's pint during a football match? Normally, that sort of tomfoolery in a preseason game happens because you're either drunk, mm-hmm. still drunk, or hungover. Yeah. I mean, Vish will be able to. Uh, straighten this for me. I- I'm pretty sure there was a a time in the early 90s when Ian Botham was still playing for England and they were on a tour of New Zealand and he walked out to the middle without his bat because he was still a bit tipsy, basically. And, you know, the 12th man sort of ran out after him with the, with, with the bat. <laughs> You're going to pick up one of the stops. Way- I'll just use it. <laughs> he, got, he got all the way to the middle without his bat. Yeah, there were, I think he got chased down. I, I don't know if he got all the way to the middle, but yeah, no, that is, that is definitely, definitely something that happened. I'm not entirely sure if it was New Zealand, but yeah, that's uh, very, very both them. Yeah. That's the thing. The, the opposition are going, this is mind games. What's yeah. going on here? No, no, nothing to do with that. Well, Andy, you said that uh, that, that, that kind of tomfoolery, of course, that will be forever known now as Thompson foolery. Yes. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. The email address is show at footballramble.com or you can tweet me or some of the others if you've got something worthwhile, like our good man PDXOR did. Right, gentlemen, back to the soccer ball. Uh, Swansea were beaten 1-3 by Manchester City. Uh, not too surprising, really. I suppose the only surprising thing is Man City conceded, really. But City set the record for successive domestic wins with 15 beating the record set by Preston North End in the uh, 1891-92 season. Yes, 1891-92 and the uh, 1987-88 Arsenal side. I'll tell you what, Vish, they're, they're on for uh, League and Cup double, aren't they? I think they are, yeah. They're going to they're just quite monstrous and it's I I think they're going to beat Everton in the final, let's be honest. That's what's going to happen. But I I think the way they're going about it, the I I think the the country should be wary about this because they're looking devastating. 
And I don't know if it's healthy for everyone else. Hang on, when you say the country... The whole country should be worried about this. Sort of, sort of, <laughs> whole sort of military intervention. Yes. Is that what bring we mean? Bring in the army, that's what I say. Right, okay. Once they're done teaching all the school kids, get yeah. them to fight Man City because they look utterly unstoppable. <laughs> like it's... They weren't even trying yesterday. And they thought, well, let's just piss about for a bit and we'll, yeah, we'll just, oh, we conceded, but what are you going to do? Right. That, that's a little takeaway for Morgan Whitaker. That'd be nice for him. But no, yeah. they're, they're um, I think they might clean up, given them where they were a couple of months ago. Mm. They're, um, I think I said on the show before that if you look at their progression in the league, it should be accompanied by the Jaws music because it's that, it's, there's <laughs> such that inevitability about it. But Yeah, but the, but the thing is, though, they're out in front now. That that would that, that negates the Jaws music. The Jaws music was is he's behind you kind of. Well, thing. no, no one ever Whereas saw. Now, no one ever saw what happened when like if Jaws had won because if he'd won, I reckon he'd have a lovely old time <laughs> and you know get all his mini yeah, Jawses and like get his mates Jaws- around and stuff. That's that, to be fair. I think yeah, we should do. They should do a prequel to Jaws when Jaws like has his way. Yeah, kind of just gets. But 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 if Jaws is swimming away and everyone else is trying to catch Jaws, then you don't have the Jaws music. Jaws is not going, oh, bloody hell, look at these these people trying to hunt me down. See, I'm not that familiar with the Jaws series, but I'm presuming... You know the basics, though, Andy. Is... Don't go in the water. Yeah, but pre- That's presumably... That's not the lesson from Jaws, like, like... is it? The lesson from Jaws is don't <laughs> fuck with sharks, surely. <laughs> yeah, but, but presumably, number two is like at the equivalent to The Empire Strikes Back, where he just eats everyone, and he's like doing a massive thumbs up at the end of whatever the shark yeah. equivalent and is. And he turns out thing. he turns out to be that nutty guy's dad. Um, nutty guy's I, dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love the fact, Vish, that you took a lesson from Jaws. Yeah, just like just don't don't mess with sharks. That, that shouldn't be. Don't be get in the water. Just like coexist together. That's what I saw from Jaws. And you can always do with a bigger boat. That's the two I, things. I, well, there's, there's, there's <laughs> hang on. Are you suggesting that that Jaws was just getting on with his business, happy as Larry, and then other people started slagging him off, and he's like, right, I'm not having that kind of language down. I'm here. just gonna. I'm just saying, if you're gonna kick like that in the ocean, you're gonna get some attention, and you're gonna get nibbled mm-hmm. at by a shark. Right. So, Hence, don't go in the water. No, not, don't, don't go in the water. Just don't be so appealing in the water. That's what I'm right. saying. Okay. Are you, are you suggesting that uh, their swimming outfits were too skimpy? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I'm just, you know, a shark's... All I'm saying is shark's going to shark. Yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Well, back to the football. Um, uh, it was Guardiola's 200th win at Manchester City. Which is uh, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, on and, and and in the same time when he gets his two hundredth win, a, a stat that I forgot to mention earlier: Tottenham Hotspur and Everton. That was only the third time that jo- uh, Jose Mourinho side had conceded five goals or more in his uh, I- in his career. Of course, one of the sides that beat uh, Jose Mourinho uh, by five was uh, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, which is uh, a match I'll forever be remembered um, for Andy Brassel's tortilla. Uh, when we went round yes. to watch the game, which was which was quite delightful, um, but I I mean, is the is, I say cut league and cup double Andy is the bloody quadruple on because Champions League is back soon. Yeah, um, and as stands, I suppose they've got a little bit of an advantage in the Borussia Mönchengladbach don't have a home leg anymore, seeing as mm. um, the first leg's been switched to Budapest for this really weird unscheduled festival of football in in in, in Hungary, but. Um, you know what? I think personally that you look at the way City fans look at the Champions League and a lot of them, especially match-going City fans, are, are, are pretty nonplussed by it. 
the fact that they've had so much misery in it, uh, capped by the Leon quarterfinal last year. Mm, always worth a mention, I, Andy. Always I, worth I a mention. Think, eh? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I, I think it would cause Manchester City, not necessarily Pep Guardiola, but Manchester City a lot less pain. Why don't they just fuck off the Champions League? Why don't they put the resis out when they play Borussia Mönchengladbach, win the League and Cup double, and I think it'll make them happier. <laughs> do you think? Yeah, I do. Are you Sean Dyche in disguise? <laughs> <laughs> if only. If you if you were, then uh, Luke Moore would be knocking down do you your not door. Think do you not think they've got a great um, chance for the Champions League, though, Andy? Especially the way they're playing now and the way that other teams Why? across them seem to be following. But, but based, on, based on what? Based on what? Every single year, people have, the bookies have Manchester City as the Champions League favourites off the back of what, one semi final? Oh, no, not every year they have the favourites. Surely Bayern were favourites the other year and Real Madrid and Barcelona have been favourites. The other thing you've got to remember, Andy, is that they're, they're an English club. Yeah? I think English football, English way, got to be favourites. Got, got to back us yes. in Europe, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, Andy. I think you've, you've got to toe the party line for a change. For crying out loud, but I think, uh, but I know what you mean when Pep Guardiola. He sort of he just has a bit of a brain freeze, doesn't he? Whenever there's a quarter or semi in the Champions League, and he then but, starts to out tactic himself. But has he's he learned? One... Has he has he got a different cunning plan this time? Well, I'll tell you what, he's, he's had since 2011 <laughs> when he last won the Champions League to think of one. So is that a dig? <laughs> Well, there's no need to make a dig because that's a simple fact, oh, isn't okay. it? Okay. Uh, I mean, all I'm saying is it just does my head in that year after year after year, uh-huh. Manchester City are simply on the talent they have on their squad, yep. not on any Champions League evidence, the favourites for it. We we all enjoy watching them unless we're, I guess, Manchester United fans, but that doesn't mean necessarily that they should be our favourites for the Champions League. I guess you could say, look at the relative weakness of Barcelona, mm-hmm. Real Madrid mm-hmm. at the moment. But all right, you know, who's your favourite? Who's your money on then, tough guy? You know what? I think you have to look at a team that's having a tough old time mm-hmm. and thinking they can pull it out of the bag. Let's say Juventus. <laughs> Let's say Juventus. Uh, well, it, it, I mean, if Andrea Pirlo's Juventus <laughs> win the Champions League, my goodness, what a story that would be. But I don't know, Andy. I don't bloody know. It'd be, it'd be very, very interesting. It's hard to, to look past Man City, there. isn't it? Back. With their squad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I still fancy Man City over that. But Andy, if you're proved to be right, then my goodness, I want you to put another stag up on your... Uh, on your wall. Um, a gentleman, uh, Yaya Toure, has taken his first official cult coaching role uh, in the world of football. We had a little stint at QPR and, uh, and Blackburn, but FC Olympic Donetsk is where he's where he's at. He started his football career in that city for, for a different side, uh, uh, of course, but uh, but, he's, but he's in there. And he said, to be honest, even my agent was surprised when he found out that I wanted to learn to coach in Ukraine. But it was it was a firm decision. It was my firm decision, he said. Andy, that's nice to see, isn't it? Yeah, and um, I think he'll, he'll probably do pretty well there. I mean, one of the things that um, he made a real success of when he was in Ukraine first time is he, he learned to speak Russian. Yeah. So from from the off, he's he's going to adapt, I think. I, I get the impression a player like him, and I know you can never judge a coach on the player they were, mm-hmm. but something that Yaya Toure never gets credit for and he should get credit for 
he's one of the most tactically astute footballers that, that I can think of off the top of my head of recent times. Someone who's capable in a variety of positions, who can direct a team on the pitch. I, th- I think he'll do really well. Yeah, lovely old job. Uh, just to finish the uh, FA Cup chat, of course, Sheffield United are through. They beat Bristol City 1-0. Wasn't much to talk about other than a crazy goal mouth scramble, which eventually ended up with a handball and Billy Sharp uh, scoring the penalty. But Vish, I wanted to just have a little mention for Bristol City's kit. Purple shirt, green shorts, white socks. What a combo. And the goalkeeper kit it was Georgie Campos-esque. You know, you've got... Uh, sometimes when you're invited to a do that you think, right, I'm not going to get mm. another invite back here. I need to I need to stunt. I need to, I need to act up a bit. And I think that's exactly what <laughs> Bristol City yeah. did. They thought, Premier League position here. You know, this round of the FA Cup. Why not? Why not just go all out? Mm-hmm. Why not just why not just flare it up? I did notice that the um the Man City Swansea kit matchup was white versus black, which had a very kind of uh, mighty ducks feel to it. <laughs> About, you know. Oh yeah. But this was um this was just a lot That's of fun. Probably. Let them have fun, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the blades are into the uh, into the, the the hat for the quarterfinals, which of course will be uh, which will be drawn uh, later as we have more uh, FA Cup uh, this week, uh, gentlemen. Enough of that chat. Let's go straight to France. Uh, Ramon, uh, Ramon, <laughs> I can't get it out. I'm just so stunned, excited, disappointed, not surprised. All sorts of emotions, Andy. Raymond Domenesque is out the door. Barely had he walked through. It's like one of those revolving doors. He sort of walked in. He did a little Grandpa loop Simpsons and then walked out gift. again. He's been sacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one. That's the one. Oh, poor old Dominic, Andy. He's been sacked already. 46 days, seven games, no wins. Still no one can work out why he was appointed in the first place. And um, he was absent from the benches. They lost in the cup yesterday to to Lance. And it it was quite amusing in the press conference afterwards when they asked uh, Patrick Collor, who was the caretaker before Dominic came in and is going to be the caretaker for, I guess, about the next 10 minutes before uh, Antoine Combouare gets the job. Um, he, he was asked about it, and he, he said, uh, I've, I've no idea what's going on with Dominic. Uh, like, not Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, I've no idea what's going on with Dominic. And secondly, it was about two steps away from, I've, I've never heard of him. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh. Dom, Dom. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know what they thought was going to happen. If you appoint someone who hasn't been a coach for 10 years, who hasn't coached in club football mm-hmm. since 1993, it's like, well, I think he's taken us backwards tactically. Mm. <laughs> Vish, why does everybody hate I Raymond? don't know. What a terrible show that was, by the way. Um, <laughs> is, yeah. is Dominic there, you know, the French equivalent of, say, like a Red, Knight, Red Nap or an Allardyce where there is a certain part of French football, you know, um, punditry or the commentary app who still regard him as the person he was 10, 20 years ago. No, but you see, I, I have to jump in there. Andy said he hasn't managed a club side since 1993. Redknapp and Allardyce have sure, had loads sure, of You know what I mean? Where like, <laughs> seemingly for a certain portion of that, um, of that society, I suppose, that he's still the person they remember rather than the person he is now. Is he always going to be able to kind of tap into that well the, the thing is the way people remember him is not especially <laughs> flattering so <laughs> yeah. I, I do wonder what was happening with uh, Valdemir Mikita the, the the president of, of Nantes who's, who's under a lot of pressure um, a lot of fans of the club want him out anyway and um, apparently took uh, Laurent Blanc for a round of golf 
to try and talk him into the job pre-Dominic. And uh, as he put it, we had a lovely chat and then he said he wasn't up for it. So presumably they were like on hole seven. (laughs) (laughs) And then then Laurent Blanc said, look, mate, I'm just having a round of golf. I ain't taking your job, okay? (laughs) Let's just carry on for the next 11 holes in complete silence. And then he kissed Fabian Bartes on the head. Exactly. Probably did that before the game, give him a bit of good luck. Uh, Well... Shame for for Ramon, he, he's off and hopefully it won't be another 10 years until we see him managing again, Andy, because he does give us a little bit of joy. Doesn't he just? Doesn't he just, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, for more European football chat, Andy will be joined by Dotton Adebayo and Nicky Bandini for another episode of On the Continent, available today over on Football Ramble Presents. I thoroughly recommend. Gentlemen, we've reached the end of the show. Where do you go after talking about Dominic? Well, you have to finish, <laughs> quite frankly, because that was the climax we were all hoping for. Thank you very much for listening. On tomorrow's show, I shall be returning with Jim and Luke. Vish, have you got anything else to say? No, for it's just lovely to see both your faces. It feels like it's been a while. Thank you very much for listening to <laughs> <laughs> Ramble. Yeah, it's not the first time you slagged me off on the Ramble this week. When, Say when to my face, go on. Oh, it's because you, you just you lost your own game, didn't you? Imagine that losing your it's own a game. Bad impression. My game is yeah, literally it was, called Luke's made game. to suit you, wasn't it? So, <laughs> made yeah. to suit you. Um, it's not made for sore losers, though. That's that's something we do know. There we are. Thank you very much for Tutor Handaraja. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy Brathel. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. See you tomorrow. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.